Oh, it's such a weird time to be alive, isn't it? <laughs> but hey, you just got to make the best of it. You got to go with the flow. You got to have fun the best that you can because life is pretty difficult right now. And, you know, this week I was, I've been thinking and it, it, we, we see obviously that the, the numbers are beginning to just shoot up everywhere. And it feels like, oh, no, we're going to go through this again at this point, right, and have some sort of lockdown. I, I don't know what's coming. But for me, it was like a, just a week of like, oh, no, yeah, here we go again. And I'm sure it was that way for many of you as well. And so just wanted to encourage you this morning, say that we feel your pain, I feel your pain, we're praying for you, and we just got to, you know what, the only way through this is through it. That's the only way we're going to get through it, is through it. There's no other possibility. It's just like, you. we got to go through it. And yes, it's taken longer than we thought and hoped and dreamed, but the only way through it is through it. So well, let's just put our heads down and do what we got to do and protect one another and defend one another and care for one another and figure this out the best way that we can. Um, this morning, I, I was struck by the, the situation in America again. Last week, I mean, I talked about the election and talked about how we move, like, not how we move forward, not like I've got a solution to that, but just like how I think one possibility of moving forward. And today, I'm still th- thinking about that in our situation, in our place. You know, a, a, w- an election is not going to fix us. It's, it's not, it's not going to make everything better. It, it, it may make some things better, but it doesn't aff- it, we're still deeply divided as a people. And this morning I was, well, this week I was thinking about the story of Cain and Abel and how that plays into our life and what is our role? How do we move forward with a pandemic, with politics that's broken, with, with relationships that are out of whack? How, how, do we, how do we move forward in this? And I think one, one space, one way that really helps us move forward is focusing on gratitude. Not to um, discount or um, ignore the ways that, that we are destroying one another, but those are very important. But also to be grateful for the things, to notice, to see. So this morning we'll start off in Genesis, the story of Cain and Abel, and maybe we'll understand and see maybe what that has to do with gratitude. So here we are. If you're following along, it's uh, Genesis 4, and here we go. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked in favor at Abel and his offering. But Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right... Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Hey brother, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? This is the word of God for us and all the people of God. Now, there's been a lot made of this. This is one of the more significant pieces of Scripture that, that moves in and out of the whole Scripture narrative and sort of offers a, a, a foundation stone for this idea of what is our relationship with one another. Cain's question here is not just who is my brother, but who am I responsible for? 
who, is my, who, who am I responsible for? It, are we responsible for each other in any way? Our neighbors, our family, our brothers? Now, what's curious about this text is that Cain and Abel both were doing, they were farmers in different ways. One was farming the land and one was farming animals. And they offered gifts to the Lord. Now, theologians have taken this and Jewish scholars have taken this and it's really perplexing of why did God accept Abel's offering but not Cain's offering they both are making offerings many have said well maybe it is the heart that they are offering it with maybe Abel offered it with joy and Cain offered it reluctantly and some some scholars will say well Abel offered the first portion of the the the, the harvest, and Cain did not, the, maybe the later portion. Maybe that is why God accepted. But reading all these, it, they don't seem to make sense and line up with who God is and why God would accept some offering and not accept some other offering. When I read this, I, I think that maybe it was the author's attempt to try to explain this in a, in a way of bringing God into it. But maybe God wasn't displeased with either one of them. As I read this text, I, I tend to think that this is a way to explain life. That sometimes things go well for us. Sometimes we rock it. Life just seems to be in sync. Life just comes at us and there's blessings and we're winning this and we're getting promotions over here and we got a raise over there and life is just like we're... we're we're, we know what we're doing. We got it. Life's sometimes like that. But other times, life, life's really hard. And it seems like everything that we try to do doesn't work out. That we, we, we don't get that promotion. That we get the bill that we didn't want. We wreck our car at the inconvenient time. We get sick and have to go into the hospital. And we tend to, don't we? I mean, this is natural human behavior. When things go really well for us, we tend to think, God's on my side. God's blessing me, right? And when things don't go right for us, we tend to think, historically, we have thought, I've done something wrong. God's not blessing me anymore. What's going on here? But maybe it's not about God's blessing in, or God's lack of blessing in the situation. Maybe it's just that life is going well for us. And sometimes life doesn't go well for us. And that's the reality of life, isn't it? Sometimes things work out. Sometimes it seems that we hit a stream in a season and we are just like, yes. And sometimes it feels like we hit a stream in life and it's rocky and bumpy and like we, everything's going wrong. And we tend to bring God into this by saying, well, God is pleased when things go right. And God is not pleased when things don't go right. This is the whole argument of prosperity versus poverty. And historically and theologically, we have linked prosperity with God's blessing and poverty with God's cursing. But that is not reality at all. God is, God is just because someone has a bunch of money does not necessarily mean God's blessing them. And when someone doesn't have any money, doesn't mean that God's cursing them. This is just life. And it has more to do with the systems that are at play, privileges that we bring, economic situations that we get into because of our privileges or our opportunities. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with God's blessing or God's cursing. And so in this situation, I think, like, we, we tend to see other people that, that are doing well, and we think God's blessing them, and we get jealous in some way, don't we? 
And this becomes the question. Who am I responsible for? Who do I help? Who do I encourage? Who do I bless? Because the natural cycle of life is when things are not going well for me, but things are going well for my neighbor, I tend to think that we tend to go in this cycle of despair, don't we? Oh, what am I doing wrong about my life? How did I mess up? Why, are, why is God blessing them and not me? Why did they get that promotion and I didn't? Why did that happen to them and not me? Why, why do, they, do their kids get accepted into that great college and my kids didn't get accepted into that great college? And we go down into the cycle of despair and oftentimes at the bottom of this cycle of despair, the only way to feel good about ourselves again is to discredit or hurt that person who is doing okay, who, who we are jealous of. This is the problem of jealousy. This is the problem of envy. That if we have jealousy and envy in our life, that we will have to alleviate that jealousy by somehow causing something to happen between us and our neighbor. Maybe that's pulling out a relationship, but maybe it is hurting that, that person as well in some way. Hating that person, discrediting that person, scapegoating that person. And this is the cycle of life. This is why I believe that God says to Cain, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? If you do what is right, won't, won't, won't you thrive? But sin is crouching at your door, Cain. But you must learn to master it. You must learn to overcome it. And so here we are. I believe this really describes the cycle of humanity and the cycle of politics that we're in right now. We see one side wins and the other side gets mad. And like the only way for that, that, for that side to, to alleviate this is to discredit and hate and push out and exclude. And we go back and we go forth and we go back and we go forth and we go back and we go forth. And it gets worse every time until we have to... Destroy one another. That's the, only, that's the only solution. And I believe that God would be speaking to us right now in our national situation and saying to us, y'all, God is Southern, and God says y'all, y'all, don't you see sin is crouching at your door? Stop discrediting. Stop destroying. Stop. Y'all are on each other's side. Stop this madness. You're responsible for each other. Be responsible for each other. You are your brother's keeper. You are your sister's keeper. You are your neighbor's keeper. You are your friend's keeper. You are each other's keepers. Wake up. This cycle only ends in despair and death for everyone. Wake up. Care for each other. Even the people that you disagree with. Even the people that are disagree with in such a way that they are actively working against your flourishing future. You're still responsible for them. I'm sorry. We don't get out of this. We're still responsible for each other. Even for those who don't accept me, who don't embrace me, who work to, to end me, I'm still responsible for them. And if we, the body of Christ, don't stand up and show the world how we can be responsible for those who we think are enemies, then who else is going to do it? We have the mandate of Christ. We have the words of God. We have the spirit of the living Christ living in us. If we're not these people who can rise above, then who can? We have to be this example in this moment. We have to be the ones who say, yes, 
your policies are hurting me and you are working against my flourishing, but I will not make you my enemy and I will be responsible for you even when you don't think you're responsible for me. That is the way of the cross, church. That is picking up our cross and following Jesus. That is the way that we have been called into to be our brother, sister, friend, neighbor, keeper. I was... um. I, I like bluegrass music quite a bit, and um, one of my favorite bands is Mandolin Orange, and I think they're local. They're from Chapel Hill, right? Um, yeah, I've seen them several times, and they just wrote this. They came out with a song this earlier this year, and it's called uh, My Brother, My Keeper, and I love the lyrics here, and it says this, as I went out on a day, roamed the hills and made my way, just imagine a banjo playing in the background and a, um, a mandolin, good fortune failed, and to my surprise, my brother left me here to die put away his blade and said, hmm, that's tough. The elements should take you soon enough. So it goes. I lie here still. If I could fight, I'd probably kill him. My heart is broken and I'm filled with dread, dizzied by the buzzard circling overhead. My brother, my keeper, my brother, my friend, what an end, what an end. As we wander in solitude, we can but ponder who's looking out for who. The future's tinted in steely grays. It bursts with colors as we see it all play out. My brother, my keeper, my brother, my friend. Our common bond of humanity cannot be broken. We are all in this together. Sometimes things work out for us and sometimes they don't work out for us. That's just the way of life. We must rise above it and say, no matter if times are good or times are hard, we will be the people who care for one another, who see our neighbors as the ones that we are responsible for. So how do we do that? Here's where gratitude comes in. And I think the space that we change our mindset from one of despair and lack into abundance and gratitude. The, the world is full of abundance. Like, we're, we're being blessed all the time. It's just a matter of do we see it. And you often, you see what you're looking for, right? Like, if, if you're looking for, for despair, if you're looking for bad, if you're looking for people who are going to hurt you, you're going to find them because they're everywhere. But if you're looking for people to bless you, if you're looking for the good situations, if you're looking for the love, if you're looking for the joy, you'll find it out there because the world is full of that too. I, um, I was thinking maybe a remedy of, to Cain and Abel's story is the story, like, Paul's exhortation at the end of 1 Thessalonians, which goes like this, the 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, friends, to acknowledge those who work hard among you and care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold tight to them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. And we urge you, friends, warn those who are idle and disruptive and encourage the disheartened help of the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances, because there's always something to be thankful for, even in the really difficult situations. There's something, right? 
Let's see that. Because, like, this affects us. Like, gratitude is not just something we got to conjure up. Like, it, it has, and science is telling us, psychology is telling us in all sorts of different ways, the benefits of gratitude on your life. It actually, like, has so many benefits. But I thought, like, Anne, our, our youth director, is also a licensed counselor and has a master's degree from Fancy Wake Forest. And, like, she's a baller. So, like, Anne, I thought... Um, Come and tell us the benefits of gratitude from a psychological standpoint. Um, I'll get the microphone here for you so everyone can hear you. All right, thanks. Man, with an introduction like that, jeez. Um, I wrote some thoughts out just because I want to be sure I covered it all, which I could talk for forever about okay, the benefits. Yeah, I'll thanks. Thanks. I will. Um, <laughs> I could talk for a long time about the benefits of gratitude, um, but our science has caught up to our ancient wisdom in the Bible, and it now can help us to have some concrete evidence for how gratitude deeply impacts us as human beings and encourages us to live lives that are full and abundant. So there's kind of two schools of thought now in current mental health um, counseling. There's positive psychology and there's mindfulness, and you've probably heard a lot of terms coming from those two schools of thought. Um, they're recent. We've got about 10 years worth of research to back them up, but both speak to gratitude and how gratitude um, encourages our well-being. So the practice of gratitude, such as keeping a gratitude journal or um, developing some kind of a daily habit of prayer or writing thank you notes or keeping a mental list of everyday things that you might be thankful for, um, fresh fruit maybe, or um, a sense of peace that you have, or a moment of stillness in your life. Um, those are things that you can actively give, give thanks for. Um, and this practice actually changes your brain. So practicing gratitude activates the parts of your brain that's associated with regulating stress um, and fueling the feelings of pleasure. So when we're ex we express gratitude or when we're the recipients of other people's gratitude, our brain chemistry changes because gratitude fosters the release of dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine, which are neurotransmitters involved in producing those feel-good feelings and helping us combat um, negative emotions and instead cultivate emotions like pleasure, happiness, contentment, satisfaction, peace. Um, so when gratitude becomes a habit, the brain learns to regularly produce those neurotransmitters and you start to create new neural pathways. So your brain actually changes so that you are now more likely to experience those emotions and more likely to see um, the goodness that's around you. Um, because it rewires our brains to protect us against anxiety and depression. Um, because these chemicals that are produced in your brain act as a kind of natural antidepressant. I mean, it's difficult for our brain to be able to continually be perpetuating a state of anxiety, which helps us um, be on a constant alert for danger when we're actively feeling relaxed or um, content because that's those two things just, your brain has a hard time processing both of those two things at the same time. So as a result of practicing gratitude, we feel happier, less stressed, more satisfied with our lives, more deeply connected to life and to others around us. Um, we are more present in our relationships. We're more resilient in the face of hardship. And we're less likely to suffer from burnout in our work and in our relationships. So thanks, science. But also thanks, Bible, because 
you know, half the Bible is full of, of sentiments of gratitude, and that's deep wisdom for our day. Cool. Absolutely. That's great. Thanks, Ann. You don't need this. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So, that's... It, gratitude is, is the way to go. It raises our good feelings, suppresses the bad feelings. And I think like when we think about this, we just think about Thanksgiving and it's November, so we think about being grateful. But I think about what are the, how, how do we see the little gratefulness? How do we see the little things in life? Almost like being micro grateful, right? We always say, what are you grateful for? Well, I'm grateful for my friends and my family and my job. But maybe we need to look deeper and to kind of activate the thanks, thanksgiving in a deeper way. Maybe we need to be thankful for the breeze that just came and made me feel good today, for the, for the leaves that are falling in this beautiful uh, world that we live in that made me feel this sense of awe. Maybe for a hug that somebody went out of their way to give me and to think, whoa, that, how, how did that benefit me? Like, I think this is one of the things of gratitude too, of um, those around us, close, close to us, sometimes we just say thanks, right? Thanks, thanks, thanks. And that's gratefulness. But I think there'll be more benefits if we say something like uh, that they, somebody did something nice for you and you say thanks, but tell them also how that made you feel or the benefit of that on your life. Like if your spouse cooks you dinner, it's, it's, it's not just like, hey, thanks for dinner, but it is, thank you for cooking dinner tonight. That really gave me some time to just sit for a moment and decompress because I was really stressed today. Like, what, wow, okay, We're like, whoa, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome for that. Like, that's, that's deeper. Like, what if we incorporated that into our life? So in our gratefulness, we're actually lifting each other up. So someone does something nice for us, and then we respond with gratitude. But our gratitude is given in such a way that lifts them up as well and helps them feel this sense of gratitude towards you. And so it's like, I'm grateful for you. No, I'm grateful for you. No, I'm more grateful for you. And it's so like, whoa. What, what a great world we'd live in, right? What a great world. What if, we, what if we could find some ways to be grateful for the other political side? Ugh. Right? And you're like, no, we can't do that, Jason. That's impossible. No, it's not. It's, it's possible. We can. If we work really hard, we can do it. And we can be grateful for somebody that supported a candidate that we didn't agree with because their whole life is not summed up in their support of that person, okay? Like, yes, we tend to think that way. Like, you're, you're an awful, terrible, evil person if you voted for that person. But, like, really, there, it, life is much more nuanced and complicated than that. And so, like, what, are, what, what else could we find that we are grateful for them, that, that they have blessed us in some way? And maybe we need to tell them that. And maybe that would actually help us to be able to see each other in a better way. Maybe that would help us to have an actual conversation about politics instead of just throwing food at each other. Maybe we need to be thankful in deep ways for one another, in ways that we haven't. So, um, you know, I was thinking about 2000, I saw this meme or something. It was like 2019 was the year to stay away from negative people, right? Do you remember that online? Like, don't be around negative people. And 2020 is like the year to stay away from positive people. It's like, don't, that was a joke that didn't land well. I'll mark that out for, um, for the next service, which we don't have another service. But um, I'll just mark that out. But So here's what we want to do. Here's what we want to do. We want to make a video of your micro-gratitude, all right? 
We want, to make, we want you, over the next two days, it has to be in by Wednesday, so you got to think about it today or tomorrow. We want you to take a 15-second video on your phone, okay, but landscape mode, please, like this. This is landscape. This is not. This is landscape. This is not. This is landscape, okay? Take it landscape. And, um, and send it to us of your gratitude, something you're like a micro-gratitude. Maybe it's today. You walk outside. Maybe it's me, and you just want to be like, I'm so grateful for Pastor Jason. Like, you can send all those videos in. That'd be fine. We just made a compilation. Or, um, or you could be grateful for other things, too. That's, that's permissible. And just go out in the next couple days and find those things that, like, you haven't been, you haven't even seen before, but you see it now. Micro-gratitude. We're going to make a hashtag. This is going to be a movement. Micro-gratitude. Micro-gratitude Thanksgiving. We're eat little turkeys and we're really grateful for the little things and so like send those in and we're gonna make a video uh we <laughs> andrew's gonna make a video of it <clears throat> this is what i do people around me take do the, the hard things and i'm like we did this i had nothing to do with it but send it in we're gonna make a video and we're gonna share it with everybody okay and then we're gonna all feel we're gonna our serotonin levels are gonna raise our 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 good feelings, what Ann said, are going to raise up. Our bad feelings are going to raise down as we do this project and we share it with one another. Can we do that? Yeah. You know, what, what I, think, I think one of our problems right now in, in our world is the reality is we're not quite as righteous as we think we are. It feels like everybody thinks that we're more righteous than we are. But we're all in this mess. And we all helped make this mess through our lives. And what I think helps is to stand back and to say, maybe I need to focus on not my righteousness, as Cain did. I was right, God. Why didn't you accept my stuff? Maybe we need to be grateful. Maybe we need to be grateful for Abel. I'm, I'm glad that that, that your life's going. Praise God. Your life's going good. Yes, you deserve it. Good job. I'm, I'm here for you. I'm thankful for you. Maybe we need to get past our divisions and seeing each other as negative drawbacks on one another and seeing that, you know what? We're in this together and the only way we're going to get through this is together. Only way. And so we might as well be thankful for each other in that process, right? I believe that thanksgiving and gratitude can genuinely change us. Sometimes things go our way, and sometimes they don't. But in all circumstances, in all times, we have things to be thankful for. We, so let us, give thanks to that. Today, tomorrow, this month, next month, go out into the world and find things you can be grateful for. And be grateful to God, who is who is liberating us from the powers of sin and death and raising us up into new life. Let us be thankful to God for the elements that we take every Sunday, that we remember Christ's sacrifice for us, that we remember Christ has died for us. God loves us enough to give life, his own life for us. And then what we do is a symbol of that remembrance and gratitude every week. Let us be thankful for what God is doing in the world. Let us see it. And let us declare it together. I believe gratitude will make a better, more beautiful world. So let's do that work together. Amen.